Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Allahu akbar, Allahu akbar. Allahu akbar, Allahu akbar. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد Rasulullah حيا على الصلاة حيا على الفلاح حيا على Alhamdulillah, Nahmadahu, Wanastainuhu, Wanastaghfiruh, Wanaoudu Billahi min Shururi an Fusina, Wamin Sayyati Amalina, Mayahdihillahu, Fella Modillala, Wamayudlil, Fella Hadiala, Washadu an la ilaha illa Allahu Wahdahu la Sharikala, وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله أما بعد my dear brothers and sisters in Islam السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته I begin as always with a reminder that we should have taqwa in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which means that we should always be conscious of Allah we should always be aware of Allah and we should protect ourselves from Allah's punishment and His anger and His wrath. As He tells us in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ حَقَّ تُقَاتِهِ 
وَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ He says, O you who believe, have taqwa in Allah, as He's worthy of having taqwa in, and do not allow yourself to pass, except that you're in a state of Islam, or a state of loving submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on this blessed day of Jum'ah, and at this still, pivotal, difficult, and painful moment for our ummah, we ask Allah to send an abundance of peace and prayers upon His most beloved. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik wa an'im ala Habibina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. I want to take us back to start off our conversation today to some of the experiences and the realities that played out in the early part of the Prophet's mission, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. And as I go through some of these stories, I want you to keep in mind the pain that you've been feeling for four weeks, watching our brothers and sisters, our nieces and nephews, our sons and daughters be bombed to smithereens. That pain that you felt watching young woman after young woman, young man after young man, toddler after toddler, baby after baby be killed and bombed, and then be dehumanized after the fact. All of that anger and that pain that you're feeling, I want you to use that to imagine what our beloved sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam must have felt like when these stories took place. And I want to begin with one of the most famous stories. It's the opening story really of the mission of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Four of the earliest converts to Islam were the family of Yasir, the family of Sumayyah radiallahu anhuma. This was a family of four. The father Yasir, the mother Sumayyah, and the two sons Abdullah and Ammar radiallahu anhum who were slaves. They were weak in Mecca, they didn't have any tribal protection, and so they were easy fodder for Quraysh to go after. And they would cost them almost no social equity. See, the, the, the mindset of Quraysh was, we're tribal, and the tribe of Quraysh is the most honored and dignified. We look after our own. But these were not considered among them. So that while they may leave the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they may leave Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu for a period of time because of their noble lineage. People like this were easy fodder. Both physically and psychologically, philosophically, it's easy for us to fight them, to torture them, to hurt them, because it doesn't conflict with our way of life. It's said that Ammar and Abdullah radiallahu anhumah were forced to watch what happened to their parents. And it began with Yasir, radiallahu anhu, the father. It's said in our books of Sirah, they used to take a rope and lynch him. They used to tie a noose around his neck and then drag him through the streets of Mecca. And they did this until they decided to kill him. And the way it's recounted that they killed him was that they tied his four limbs, his arms and his legs, to horses. And they commanded the horses to move away from each other so that he could be ripped apart limb from limb. 
And this is how he was killed. And Ammar and Abdullah were forced to watch this. And his wife Sumayya radiallahu anha was tied up on the ground as this happened. And after her husband was killed, she turned to the man responsible for the torture, Abu Jahl, the Fir'aun of this ummah. And she rebuked him. It only increased her in fierceness and iman. And she told him how unjust he was and how mal'oon he was with Allah. And Abu Jahl was so enraged by her response, he took a spear and shoved it into her private parts, killing her. And Ammar and Abdullah had to watch this. It said that Ammar, after this, which by the way, he was only 15 years old when this happened. This isn't a grown man going through this. This is a young boy going through this. The torture that they then levied on Ammar was so fierce that he accepted their taunts and he issued some statements of kufr against Allah and his messenger. And he ran to the Prophet crying, Ya Rasulullah, I had to say some words of kufr. What is my status with Allah? And the Prophet said, how is your heart? He said, it's full of iman. And by the way, as a side note, our Prophet ﷺ once said about this beloved man, Ammar, Allah has filled his heart with iman, it's overflowing to his neck. This was a man of great belief in Allah. But he said, how do you find your heart after you said these statements? He said, my heart is as it is. I believe in Allah and His Messenger. He said, then if they return, you return. If they come back and torture you, you go back and torture you. Now as this was happening, this didn't happen in one day. They tortured them for a period of time. And the Prophet ﷺ had no power to stop it. And he would go to watch it so that he can give them words of encouragement. He would go and actually see. Now we're watching our brothers and sisters bombed to death and dehumanized on a different part of the world. Our beloved messenger ﷺ could see it happening before his very eyes. Can you imagine the pain and the anger you feel? Can you imagine the pain our beloved Prophet ﷺ felt? And more so, they were being tortured because they believed in him. Because they believed in his beauty and in his message. Can you imagine how he must have felt for them? And one day Ammar anhu, when he sees the Prophet ﷺ giving them words of encouragement, he cries out to our beloved messenger, Ya Rasulullah, the torment is very extreme. Ya Rasulullah, the torture is very extreme. And our beloved could only respond with the famous statement that you all know. Sabran ala yasir, al-jannah. Be patient, O family of Yasir, for your promised meeting place is in Al-Jannah. I want to take you now to the story of Khabbab, anhu, that I mentioned just a few khutbas ago. But I'll recount it again. Khabbab was a slave. And he was a famous, he was a, a great swords maker. And that's why his owner, Um Anmiya, had taken him in specifically so that she can use his skill and sell. And when she learned that he had become a Muslim, she would take the iron that he used and the coals that he used and she would have it put on his back to burn the skin and the fat off of him. And again, it's recounted that one day our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam 
saw them as they, as they tortured Khabbab. He was there again. Can you imagine again? Can you imagine? Look at how you feel watching a few minute clips across the world. Our beloved watched them burn his followers back. And all he could say was, he lifted his hands and said, Ya Allah, help Khabbab. And Alhamdulillah, Allah helped Khabbab. He destroyed the slave owner who did that to him. Alhamdulillah. And it's not like our beloved messenger was completely, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam, left alone. He went through his own form of persecution and torture. I'll share one story with you as a reminder, because it has to do with his daughter. His daughter Fatima was only eight years old when this happened. Some of the most jarring, painful videos that we're seeing are not of the kids that are killed, but of the kids that are left with the trauma, shaking uncontrollably, crying out for their mothers and fathers. It was reported this week out of the hospitals that at least 120 children have been left without any family, let alone not just orphan, no family left except the little child. Our beloved Messenger ﷺ was praying in front of the Kaaba one day. And these lowly people among the Quraysh were mocking him. And so they challenged one another, who will get up and take the entrails of a camel and dump it on Muhammad? And one of the most cursed among them stood up and did it. He went and grabbed the entrails of a sacrificed camel and as our beloved sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam was in sajda, he put it on his back. And it was so heavy, our beloved sallallahu alayhi wa sallam could not come up from sajda. And no one came to his aid. No one was able to help him. No one had the strength to come and help him. Until his young daughter Fatima, radiallahu anha, heard what was happening to her father. And she came crying. And she, with her own blessed hands, pulled that filth off of our beloved Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa And all our beloved could do was after he stood up, he raised his hands to Allah, and he named them one by one, and said, Ya Allah, alayka bihada, alayka bihada, alayka bihada. And Ibn Mas'ud who witnessed this said, I saw all of their faces turn white at the dua of our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we know now in history, all of these people were killed in Badr. Allah did away with them in a few short years time. My dear brothers, before I continue, please move up and make space so that we don't have to interrupt the khutbah as we move forward inshaAllah. Now I say all of this, of course, firstly to draw us back to the example of our beloved Messenger wasallam. What we're feeling is not new. What we're feeling is not unique. Our beloved is more beloved to Allah than you and I are. There is no human being. There has been and there will be no human being ever more beloved in the eyes of Allah than Muhammad wasallam. And Allah saw fit to have him go through this. And yet, how did our beloved sallallahu alayhi wa sallam respond? Beyond the dua that he made against them. And we will continue to make dua. May Allah destroy every oppressor that is bombing our sons and daughters in Gaza. May Allah do away with them completely. And we make this dua with no fear. 
and no equivocation. They can clip this out however they want. The oppressors on this earth, may Allah do away with them since we are unable to. We have no strength to defend ourselves. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do away with the oppressors. We will make this dua. But how did our beloved sallallahu alayhi wa sallam respond beyond that? I want you to keep in mind, I mentioned his name on purpose. The man who shoved that spear into Sumayyah radiallahu anha was Abu Jahl. Was the Fir'aun of this ummah. And our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was once famously quoted as making a dua where he raised his hands up to Allah and said, Ya Allah, give victory to this deen by guiding the more beloved of these two men to you, Abu Jahl or Umar ibn al-Khattab. Abu Jahl, the Fir'aun of this ummah. Now there's a man sitting on the throne of that land today. There's a man sitting at the head of the Zionists today who I find it difficult to make dua for his guidance. For how much pain he's caused this ummah in this world. How much evil he has done. And wallahi, no human being can call him to justice for the evil he's done. Only Allah, only Allah can hold him to account because of how much death and destruction he's brought to the earth. And yet the example of our beloved messenger is the Fir'aun at his time, our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam made dua for his guidance. Now I ask you and I, I say this to myself first. I know the pain and the anger we're feeling. But look at where it led our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Never relented from his mission. His mission was to call the hearts and minds of men and women to la ilaha illallah. And the pain and the anger did not allow him to be distracted or swayed from that mission. He stayed on it even in his heart, even on his tongue, calling to Allah. This mal'oon man who murdered the first believer, he still made dua for him. And when you look at the two that were guided from that dua, Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu is the one, the son of Umar is the one who narrates this dua and he said, and the more beloved of the two was Umar ibn al-Khattab. And of course he was, this great man. But when you think of the way Umar radiallahu anhu came to Islam, you find the same meanings. Umar radiallahu anhu says it himself. He says, the first time Islam entered my heart was on a night where he went out hoping to get drunk and he couldn't find any liquor to drink. What did he find instead? He found our beloved Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the dead of night in front of the Kaaba praying. And he said, this is my chance. No one's around him. This is my chance to do away with him. And he snuck between the Kaaba and the veil of the Kaaba until he was directly in front of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he hears him recite Qur'an from Surah Al-Haqqah. And I don't have the time to go through it, but he's go, he recounts detail for detail how every thought he had in his mind, in his heart, Allah responded with one of the ayat of Surah Al-Haqqah. And he said, I left Muhammad that day in awe. That was the first time Islam entered my heart. He went there hoping to kill him, and he left with the beginning of guidance. And on the day that he took his shahada, he again left his house, his sword unsheathed, ready to do what? To kill Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. And on his way, he is distracted by one of the secret companions to the, the house of his sister. 
He sees him with his sword on sheaths. He says, where are you going? He says, I'm going to do away with this scourge. And he says, what do you, woe to you. Do you think his tribe would let you live? What about your own people? What about your own sister? And so Umar turns and immediately runs to the house of his sister. And he finds them there learning Quran from one of the companions. And the rest, as they say, is history. He ends up taking his shahada that day. He goes to the Prophet, his sword still unsheathed, sheathed, and he makes, he takes his bay'ah and gives his bay'ah to the Prophet But there's more. You find who was that companion in the house of Fatima, عنها, teaching her and her husband Quran. It was Khabab that great companion who was being tortured, who was being burnt on his back, when he wasn't busy being tortured by this accursed woman, he spent his days teaching his brothers and sisters the message of Allah. You look at Ammar who was the one remaining family member who survived that torture. And he has this beautiful statement where he says, now keep in mind again, our beloved Muhammad has given testimony to the great Iman of Ammar. And he says, Ammar who one day was teaching some of his, his students and he said, there are three traits. If they combine in your heart, you have completed Iman. And he said the first of them, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. He says the first of them, Al-insafu um, min nafsik. It's to be just even in your own self. Meaning, it's the ability to hold yourself to account. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. When I've done something wrong, I will say I've done it wrong. When I know there's some evil in me, I'll call it out. That's number one. Number two, وَالْإِنْفَاقُ مِنَ الْإِقْتَارِ And to give generously, especially when you feel that pull that you want to keep the money in your hands. And then finally he says, وَبَذْلُ السَّنَامِ لِلْعَالَمِ and it's to spread peace to the whole of the world. They witnessed, they lived, Ammar lived this torture. And you still see him saying, the true completion of Iman is to send this truth and to send this peace to the entirety of the world. Wallahi, I know my dear brothers and sisters, the pain we're all feeling. And it's been a while now. I know that pain at oftentimes turns to anger. You all know what I'm talking about. It turns to anger. You want to curse everyone. And you want to hate everyone. But the beloved Muhammad wasallam and his companions taught us not to give in to that anger and that hate. They taught us to remember we are on the millah of Ibrahim salam, the ummah that called the world to la ilaha illallah. This will remain our mission. It has to remain our mission and our focus. And this is why so many of us are so inspired by our brothers and sisters in Gaza. You don't see them cursing the world. You don't see them cursing Allah. You see them, yes, drowned in pain. But then you see them thanking Allah. You see them telling believers out.
And still, our beloved sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam never let them go. But the importance... Oh, we have to switch this, my echo's too much. But the thing I wanted to highlight there was that Quraysh, as they were being pressed, because our Prophet sallallahu would not stop, little by little, Allah unmasked their evil. Little by little, you claim to be people of brotherhood, you claim to be people who stand up for one another, except when a man comes and says, La ilaha illallah, then you're willing to abandon all ties of kinship and starve them to death. Likewise, you will find people in our country who will tell us we don't belong here. Who would tell us that if we remain on this mission, if we remain on this message, there's something backwards and wrong and evil about us. You're going to find propaganda coming out of that part of the world saying, we, Israel, we are the ones who are curbing this from the rest of the world. We're holding back this scourge from the West. And we have to remain firm on this fact. As Allah unmasks this for us, it will, inshallah, just as it did in Quraysh, it will open the hearts of many to Islam. It will. Just as it did in Mecca, it will here. How many of you, how many of you, just over the last four weeks, have had your entire view of the world change? How many of you have felt, I thought about the world one way on October 6th, and today I feel completely differently? How many of you thought that there was a certain morality left in the world? Without Islam, there was a certain morality left in the secular world. And now you know, Allah has unmasked it for you, that the world without Allah will dwell in darkness. The world without the nur of Allah will dwell in darkness. If we don't take this blessing, this unmasking, and double down our commitment to the millah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we will call this world to the nur of Allah. We will. And they will blame us just as they blame the Prophet. They will call us madmen just as they called him madmen. They will say we're backwards just as they slandered him. And we will stay consistent on our loving call to la ilaha illallah. And inshallah, through us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring the hearts of millions to the nur of la ilaha illallah. Wa aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah azim li wa lakum ya fawzan mustaghfirin astaghfirullah. Inna alhamdulillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina. Amma ba'd. I want to make a few things clear about what I'm saying and why I'm saying it. Firstly, and I don't say this to criticize our community in any way. What happened happened. It was a difficult time, but we have to learn from our past. I remember in the years after 9-11, one of the things I wish our community did differently was that so many of us fell into this line of thinking that I'm going to call, please like us. Please like us. Please accept us. And there was this out-balance, there was this unbalance that was put in the mind of the Muslim community in America. Because there's a truthful statement here. Yes, 
when people come into contact with Muhammad وسلم, with the sunnah of Muhammad وسلم, with the character of Muhammad وسلم, through you, they will be more likely open to Islam, inshallah. But we don't do this weird calculation where we start to water things down so that people can like us more. Or we get afraid to speak our true hearts and our true minds because we want people to like us. That's a mistake I don't want us to repeat. This is a time of courage. This is a time of strength. The Prophet ﷺ was watching his people be murdered in front of him and he did not sway. La ilaha illallah, period, full, non-stop. No matter what you say, no matter what you offer, I'm not backing down from this fact. There is good, there is evil. And we are calling towards good and justice and we will stand against injustice. We're not going to water down our words and we're not going to run and hide. We're also not going to let anyone, anyone define us. That game is over. Our community is well established now. My generation is no longer coming out of its cocoon, coming out of its childhood, trying to figure out what's going to happen. We're very aware. There are Muslims in every single institution of this country, walhamdulillah, and they sincerely, because memory is going to clip this. Memory is going to clip this. They are sincerely working for the good of this country. And we have the strength to stand up and define ourselves. No one will force us or pigeonhole us into a definition they want to give us. No one will pit us against our country. No, we love this country. We love our people. And because of that, we will call you to the nur of Allah. But here's the other thing I want to say. We are witnessing our ummah is now facing the harm, the oppression of an ummah that came before us that at least a segment of them did not handle this pain and anger properly. Our brothers and sisters of the Jewish faith, not all of them, many of them, as the Quran says, many of them are beautiful souls and you see them standing for justice and truth. Alhamdulillah. But there's a segment of them that have fallen into this belief that because we fell into grief historically, because we had horrible things done to us historically, we have to remain constantly and vigilantly as the aggressive party. We're in this constant position of just warding off harm from ourselves by any means necessary. It does not matter what happens to anyone else because we are constantly under the threat of the sword. And you see this in their rhetoric. And you see some of them now, even as a genocide is taking place against the Palestinians, some of them are genuinely afraid. This is not a lie. Some of them are genuinely afraid that the genocide is about to happen to them. Now we don't want that to happen to them, but that's not my point now. My point is, we don't want to fall into that same mistake. The lesson many of them learned was, never again means I have to build up power. I have to build up influence. And I have to maintain that power and that influence no matter what. No matter what dhulm, no matter what oppression comes of it, I have to stand by that. It's a very jahili call. I will give victory to me and my tribe, whether they are the oppressed or the oppressor. Because if I don't, I will be killed. That's not the call of Muhammad wasallam. This anger and this pain we feel, we will use it to bring us back to Allah and to reinforce our commitment to the mission of our beloved messenger Muhammad wasallam. And I'll leave you with this practical Practically now, what am I asking you to do? And I'm not going to get into this in too much depth right now. Practically, what am I asking you to do? Number one, 
Learn your religion, my dear brothers and sisters. If anything, if you had the unmasking that I referenced, if Allah has ripped the mask from the world for you, then know you're going to find guidance and truth in the book of Allah and the sunnah of His Messenger. If you've been far from the religion until now, come back. Learn your religion. It will empower you. It will protect you. It will give you courage and strength in this time. And alhamdulillah, this masjid has a plethora of classes that it's giving. Number two, commit yourself to the community. Commit yourself to your brothers and sisters. You know Ammar and Khabbab and Bilal? They're always mentioned together in the books of Sirah because they were the three best friends. They who went through torture together, they who were slaves together, they maintained their iman in their suhbah with one another. Come to the community events. Find comfort and strength and solace in your brothers and sisters. And lastly, all of us have to be prepared. Inshallah, we will be a guiding light for this country. But it's not going to be one or two or three of us. It's going to be all of us willing to give our resources, our time, our capabilities, our strength, our talents. Lillah. And so prepare yourself from now. Start to ask yourself your question. What can I do? What can I do to call people to the way of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam? I ask that Allah make you and I from those who hear what is said and follow the best of it. Oh Allah, all thanks and praise are due to you until you are pleased with us. And all thanks and praise are due to you if you become pleased with us. Ya Allah, forgive us our sins and accept from us our repentance. Ya Allah, forgive us our sins and accept from us our repentance. Ya Allah, forgive us our sins and accept from us our repentance. Ya Allah, we ask of you Jannah and we seek refuge in you from the hellfire. Oh Allah, please send an abundance of peace and prayers upon our beloved Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. O you who turns the hearts, keep our hearts steadfast on Islam. Make beloved to us everything that is beloved to you. And make hated to us everything that is hated to you. Ya Allah, we ask that you be with our brothers and sisters in Gaza. Ya Allah, be with our brothers and sisters in Gaza. Ya Allah, be with our brothers and sisters everywhere they are oppressed on this earth. Ya Allah, you know better their stations and their situations, and you have all control. You have the power of be, and it is. Ya Allah, we put our full faith in you, and we leave the affairs of the oppressors to you. Ya Allah, deal with them on our behalf. Ya Allah, we ask that you guide us, that you guide this country through us, and that you make us a means for this country to be guided. Wa الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله استوى واستقيم ويرحمكم الله الله أكبر بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين 
إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمد الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل هو الله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمد الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله